Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy and I'm here with, with Alex today and this is our first time of meeting as well so I'm very excited to get to know him and I checked his website out and he does many wonderful things that you will tell <laughs> and that he will tell you about later so thank you for for coming today and being so flexible with the time and welcome to the podcast thank you i'm, I'm delighted to be here <laughs> i always start with you know and it's just a basic question of like what brought you to the healing path in general because i know that you are a licensed psychotherapist and plant medicine you know was just another step on your journey so yeah. what was originally that draw that drawn you you know into this area and and how it all started <laughs> Um, you know, uh, really it started in um, my adolescence, I would say. I had a very turbulent uh, adolescent period, very depressed, dealing with a lot of just dark themes, existential crisis, um, my sexuality, a very conservative background that I grew up in. Um, so it was, and my dad died when I was 10. And so just my youth was, uh, and also we'd moved from Latin America to the US. And so there was a lot of cultural, you know, upheaval as well. So it was kind of a um, challenging upbringing. And my teenage period, I, I was in a very dark place and really kind of doubting spirit, God, you know, is there anything beyond the material and uh, a real existential crisis? I got really into the um, existentialist philosophy, which is pretty, pretty dim. Um, and then I had a very powerful um, opening, awakening experience with uh, LSD in, in high school. And it really like a full blown mystical experience. And it completely reoriented my whole understanding of everything and that was the beginning then i wanted to you know learn about spiritual practices i got into buddhism and meditation i kept going back to psychedelics to see if i could get back to this like unitive state and i couldn't you know and plus these were like not great settings for it recreational you know concerts with friends it just wasn't i didn't know at the time that you could do this as an internal journey and I just got lucky, I guess. Um, so once I realized that the psychedelics, the way I was doing them wasn't leading me to that, I really started getting into psychology. I got really into Jungianism, Jungian philosophy and psychology and alternative spiritual practices, shamanism. Um, I got really interested in all of that. I didn't go very far with it, but that's where it, it piqued my interest. And that's kind of how I got into the healing work. Right. So you said you you moved from uh, Latin America, like you were not born in the United States. No, I, I was born in Nicaragua and I, I spent the first several years of my life, basically like five to nine. I was in Chile um, hmm. uh, and my mother's Argentine, but my dad is an, was an American diplomat. So we traveled hmm. a lot and I didn't really settle in the United States till I was about 10. 
and mm -hmm. so that was kind of a you know culture shock um uh, totally so having you know this background uh, and you said that you were interested in shamanism um what was it in your tradition or how did you know about shamanism because you know from where i come from i didn't even hear about shamanism until yeah. i was 20 something you know and it's so was not in my culture or in my lineage you know in any shape and form and and it was uh, more materialistic you know the environment so how did it come into your life experience yeah also i you know i do not come from a, a shamanic background or a, a you know a traditional culture um it's you know i grew up in a catholic household everything that wasn't Jesus is, you know, the devil. So uh, that wasn't part of my upbringing. I guess I just, I explored a lot at that, that uh, spiritual experience, that mystical experience. It just sent me on this kind of quest to find out more about what else could be going on. So I just started reading a lot. You know, the Carlos Castaneda books definitely was, uh, I would say a big opening into that. I read uh, Michael Harner's, you know, The Way of the Shaman um and then i actually did a semester in arizona in college and um um there's the, the hopi indians are in that area the yaki as well so i you know we would go to their some of their ceremonial gatherings that were open to the public and you know started to get a little bit of exposure to native american uh indigenous culture and wisdom in the u.s and it's just been kind of a slow process since then of uh, exploration and kind of trying different things or having friends introduce me to different things. But, you know, until my journey with ayahuasca, I would say it was pretty um, kind of a light touch. I didn't get really serious about anything. Yeah, it was just more like seeing what's out there. Right. And, and, and you already had a bunch of tours, I assume, or this was during while, while you were studying, this was happening simultaneously or already you studied to be a therapist and, you this know, was all before. Yeah, I was, um, I, this was all during kind of high school, college age. Um, when I graduated from college, I went to work in like the professional corporate world and I really didn't like it. And I always had that interest in psychology and I, decided that you know I wanted to try it and see if it was for me because the the office world was not and so um, I went to graduate school out here in San Francisco I was I think 24 um, when I started my um, clinical psychology program and so there was a little gap but basically I went right into therapy training and becoming a therapist um, right after school so it kind of all carried through really from like my crisis in high school, my interest <laughs> in college, and then going right into um, psychotherapy. Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, you are classically trained, but also you have more um, alternative training like EMDR or hypnotherapy yeah. or other tools that you use. Do you want to uh, say a few words about why you pick those particular tools? And what Sure you think they are good to have in our toolbox? Yeah, I mean, I definitely credit that with my my experience with ayahuasca and it, it really opened me up to how much more there is um, in terms of healing work to the mind than just the conscious left brain analytical 
mind that is engaged when we're talking in therapy. And so um, that when I came back, you know, I had this whole period of living in the jungle and working with ayahuasca as a, you know, full time and, and um, at a retreat center. When Let's I came back, say more well, about that because I, I I thought that that was before and after. So oh no, sorry. So so I I had my therapy um, practice for many years. Uh, working, I worked at UCSF. I worked in private practice in San Francisco, and I really reached a point where I got um, bored and just felt like I was in a rut. And I didn't know if I even wanted to continue doing it. It just felt very thin. I guess is the extent. It didn't have the depth that uh, perhaps I felt when I started. Um, and I'd gone through another transition. My mom had passed away. And so that was a big kind of wake up call about how short life is. And, you know, am I really doing what I want with my time and with my limited life on this planet? So I did, I closed up everything, got rid of my apartment, sold my car, closed my practice, and I left. And I went traveling around the world for um, about a year and a half. Um, and in that, and I didn't know where I was going to land. It was really like, this isn't working for me. <laughs> you know, and San Francisco had changed and become very tech industry dominated. It wasn't the like gay, bohemian, artsy place that I moved to. So, you know, I, I was like, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I'm going, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And I was hoping the trip would show me what's the next chapter, what kind of work, what kind of, you know, I, I was really open to anything. And in that process, I, in that, that journey, I ended up in uh, Peru in 2014. And that's when I, you know, that's when I did my first ayahuasca retreat. Even though I've been familiar with it, I have a friend um, who has been involved in an ayahuasca community in California for like, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, and she kept trying to get me to come and I just, it didn't work out, but then I encountered it in the Amazon and the traditional setting and it just blew me away and I loved it immediately. And um, that turned into- that's a, that's a very interesting, like tell me more about that because many people I talked to and my experience was like, after the first time I was like, I never want to do this again. <laughs> there are a lot of those, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I was probably one of the very few people in that group that had this, especially for their first time. It was all love, it was all beauty, it was all light, it was all, it was just all positive. The, the darker, difficult, challenging ceremonies came later. And I thought, wow, I got this thing down. You know, I, ayahuasca is fantastic. I don't know why everyone's having such a hard time. This is beautiful. Um, so I, I really had an amazing experience and it opened me up to the spirit world and the world of spirits, plural, that, you know, plants and animals and rocks and everything around us is spirit that I'd never really understood that. And I experienced it and it, it started a kind of a love affair with the, the medicine trees of the Amazon. Um, the retreat center had lots of medicinal trees on the property so you know you'd go you could go on walks and like just sit and spend time with these beautiful trees and meditate with them and talk to them and then you go into ceremony that night and you're drinking the bark of the trees in the ayahuasca because that was my teacher's uh practice he was a palero as well as an ayahuasquero 
which means he works with trees, with medicine trees. And so then we'd be drinking the same, literally the same bark from that tree. And then he would be calling in the spirit of that tree in the ceremony. So very quickly, I just developed a love for some of these medicinal trees. And, um, you know, it was only a week long, but I was like, I want to come back immediately. You know, and they say, no, don't come back right away. Take your time. I gave it about five months and I went back for another retreat. And then I basically never left. And then that was three years of my life. <laughs> wow. So yeah. can, I don't know if you can say where you went or, you know, yeah, it was a center that's no longer operating. Um, oh. Yeah. Outside of Iquitos, they'd been around a long time, but they were, major problems with the founder and I, I don't really want to get into the the drama there um but it was the the teacher the uh, the amazonian maestro uh don alberto is amazing and i also just fell in love with his singing and him and i just there in peru for three years and studied with this person yeah i mean i i left at different times um but basically three years yeah uh, i mean I, the last two years i was working at the center as a like helping to run the center and then also helping to lead the ceremonies so right. it was intensive yeah yeah totally and and you you as you say you're not just only dieted the ayahuasca but other medicinal trees exactly well. A lot of plant diets, uh, you know, he was, he is a Sanango, uh, Ucho Sanango, like specialist, Sanangero. I think he's done like 40 Sanango diets, something like that. So we would do Ucho Sanango, which is like kind of its own class of medicine. And then um, there's about a dozen uh, medicinal trees. These are huge, huge Amazonian trees that all have different medicinal properties and the spirits are doctor spirits. And yeah. so we would diet those. Um, and as he would say, um, you know, if you're drinking it raw, which is the diet, you know, you're drinking the tea and you're drinking it cooked in the ayahuasca and you're doing ceremonies, you're going to learn very quickly. And, um, and that's true. It was a very, very powerful, quick way to learn these practices. Wow, that, that is super interesting. So, okay, so after three years, you just decided, okay, enough from the jungle, I'm going back to something. What happened? Like, Well, what happened was the center, I, I learned a really, um, really good lesson on how important integrity is when you're doing this work. And I, I noticed from the beginning what I would call a, something not quite right about how they handled money. It was very expensive. I could, you know, I could just do the back of the envelope calculations. They were making a lot of money. The staff was getting paid minimum wage. All of the American staff or foreign staff, actually, they weren't even American. They were from all over the world that were the basically, along with the Peruvian staff that did like the cleaning and the cooking and supporting the event, they were the ones that supported all the guests. You know, they were the ones, um, handholding and guiding and getting people into showers when they were completely blown apart and helping them come back and staying up all night with guests. They weren't getting paid at all. And they weren't even getting the tips that the, the, the clients were giving. And so, you know, there was an agreement that the, the, the person who was running it, you know, there's like the maestro who's the head of the shamanism, but 
you know, he doesn't speak English. He doesn't have an administrative background. Um, he can't run the facility. You need like kind of a Westerner to deal with the guests and also to um, handle the finances, administration, bookings, all of that. And so um, that person, I had an agreement with him. He wanted to leave and I was there to help run it with another apprentice. We were gonna run it and so he could leave. Uh, and the agreement was once he left, because he had other things he wanted to do, I would start getting paid. And I, you know, I spent two years there for free volunteering basically to get to the point of running the center. And we did, and we did take it over and he did leave, but he said there wasn't enough money to, basically the, the business was just scraping by and they could not afford to pay me. And he's sorry, he paid me for like two or three months. And he's just like, we can't do it. So at that point I had to decide, um, you know, I loved the medicine and I wanted to continue to work with it. And if it was just me and the maestro, I would have just stayed there, but I couldn't have that relationship without the whole apparatus of the retreat center, which is like its own political thing. And so I left and I was like, well, I want to keep working on ayahuasca, but I was also a little bit tired of living in the jungle. It's, it's a hard life. You know, some people love it. I, I, I don't, I love the, the trees, you know, and that made it worth it. And I love ayahuasca, but um, living in the jungle is, is intense and living in Iquitos, which is like this really raw, big urban industrial city in the middle of the Amazon with very little access to outside goods. You're like, it's loud. There's moto taxis 24 hours a day. It's hard to sleep. It's, it's, there's not a lot of green surprisingly because it's a dense city. Um, so, you know, I also was kind of like, do I really want to keep living in this area? Um, and so that's why I left later within six months, basically the whole place kind of fell apart and it was a complete disaster. All of the money issues came to the front and there was, it was the place collapsed. So everyone told me later, like, wow, you picked the perfect time to leave. And the reason why I left was the same reason why it kind of fell apart was there was just a lack of integrity around money. Something wasn't right there. I could sense it. And it's like, I can't just give all of my energy to this without being able to pay my bills and just cover my expenses. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, bringing this up. We have some episodes um, on the podcast about the dark side of plant medicine and the misuse of money, sex and power. And yes. I also had similar experiences when I was there that, it's almost like, you know, a lot of people, especially the people who live in the jungle and don't really have contact, you know, with modern society, you know, they, they don't have, as you said, any understanding of money or handling money or saving. Yeah. Like, it's just so, it's almost like they are children, you know, learning to deal with money and, and what yeah. is, and also, uh, you know, I understand when you are poor and you don't have, then, you know, when you have it, you know, it's easy to go yeah. into greed and into that, that it's, it's just part of the learning experience. And, and definitely it's a very different culture, background and understanding. And, and um, that's why it's, it's needed to merge these worlds, you know, but with the yeah. right people and the right intentions, right? And this totally is agree. So, yeah. so, so once you got back, like, um, wow, I bet that you had a culture shock, you know, huge. How did yeah. you do that and integrate it back to 
to this life and and then how does this three years influence your work and your life in general well um it was a huge culture shock it was a major adjustment even though i had a, a soft landing in that a good friend of mine you know at that time uh the real estate and rentals and finding an apartment in San Francisco is impossible. And but I got lucky that a friend of mine, her roommate moved out and right as when I arrived and she's like, well, you can just move in here. So in that sense, the path was smoothed for me. Um, if I didn't find that, I would have probably moved somewhere else on the West Coast. Um, but yeah, the culture shock was heavy. It was more, you know, more than culture shock. It was like integration from three years of imagine a three-year-long ceremony and only now you're starting to integrate it that's really what it felt like things i liked i didn't like anymore people that were friends i didn't really want to spend time with anymore people that i wasn't that close with i really wanted to be with now because i had changed i had changed my values had changed my interests had changed my energy had changed um so i also realized i didn't really want to be in a city you know, I, the I, I, the noise and the frenetic energy really got to me. And there's definitely been, I was, you know, single gay man in back in the US, San Francisco is kind of the place to be. And so that's why I moved back there. Um, and I did end up meeting my now partner in that first year. And I'm very thankful for that. And I was like, well, then we don't really have a reason to be here anymore. <laughs> um, so eventually we moved to, to Berkeley, which is a lot quieter and open and, you know, more trees and all of that. So it was about a year, maybe longer of, you know, integrating all that had changed in those three plus years. So it was, um, I would say it was just a really intense extended integration. I don't think I really understood integration until I came back because I hadn't experienced it. I was still unfolding and opening and there was more ceremonies and more ceremonies and deeper work. It just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And so um, that's what it, it was like a year long integration, basically. Yeah, and um, as you said, you know, you're just a different person. So everything changes, you know, in your life because you are you are a changed person. So what were kind of those drastic changes that you could point out for people so for example changing priorities like before these were my priorities and after or or some other aspect that we can give an example of people you know what we're talking about when you're saying fundamental change in your life yeah um i think you know certainly um, let's start with my, uh, my relationship to work and go back to what you asked about EMDR and hypnosis. I couldn't go back and do the same therapy that I was doing. Um, what had changed in that period was it became clear to me, which I always knew and which is why I was a therapist in the first place, but it became rock solid that I am here to be of service, helper, healer, whatever you want to call it. I'm here to help other people. That's it. There's no wavering around that. Um, so that's one thing. I had a very rock solid conviction that this is the path for me. Um, secondly, I couldn't go back to just analytical traditional psychotherapy. I had to include altered states of consciousness in some way. So within the office setting, 
hypnosis, I, I learned a style of hypnosis called depth hypnosis, which is pioneered by um, a woman in the Bay Area, actually in Berkeley named Issa Gucciardi, who's amazing shaman, Tibetan Buddhist practitioner, energy worker. She's really incredible. And a friend of mine introduced me to her and her center, which is the, um, the Center for the Sacred Stream. And she had combined hypnosis, shamanism, the shamanic journey, using hypnosis and psychotherapy and energy work into kind of one package. Oh, and so I, I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It, 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 you know, that was one of the first things I did was when I came back was I did a, a week long training with her on depth hypnosis. And I use it all the time. It's you're basically doing, you know, deep journey work, soul retrieval, power retrieval, all the traditional um, shamanic work using hypnosis as the vehicle. And it's really effective. It really works. And there's a tremendous depth that comes with it. I never heard about this. I never thought about this, but that could totally work. That that's so yeah. like yeah. It's a trance, right? It's just a different kind of trance instead of the shamanic drum. And that's why she did it. She's like, I couldn't do shamanic drumming in my like therapy office with all my other therapists around. So this is something designed for people to do in like an office setting. Um, so to, to put people into an altered state of consciousness and then you yeah. work there. That's exactly. Yeah, I, I used to breath work for that. Like kind of even talk yeah. about it. You know, that, yeah, Idea. Exactly. I mean, breath work, all of these things, you don't have to do ayahuasca to shift your consciousness, right? There's many other tools available and that are more accessible to some people who, you know, can't or, or don't feel comfortable doing um, plant medicines. And EMDR does something similar. It's a slightly altered state of consciousness using bilateral stimulation of sound or light or sometimes vibrating pads, but basically alternating, stimulating the brain left and right creates a trance that allows you to access more than what you could access just talking to me about some problem you had. So that was the big change. And let's talk about a little bit that why did you think after your ayahuasca experience that we need these tools in therapy? Why, is, why, why do you think? Because I saw how much more there is to the the psyche, even yeah. the mind body, if you will, then what we like, what we're aware of is like literally the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on. There is so much intelligence. There's so much stored inside of us. There's so much wisdom and also so much shadowy material as well. Things that have been tucked away just so we could live our lives, but they affect us. And you need to go deeper to access that and to clear that and to heal that. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, um, and, and this going deeper, I think, is that what brought a lot of therapists from classical psychotherapy, like myself, you know, to learning yeah. different tools. And uh, especially, I think, with uh, like just serious childhood trauma, you have such a fortress around that. Yeah your psyche that I don't think traditional talk therapy can do touch that like ever you know yeah. that people are in therapy for 10 years and they still have yeah. this problem that's not totally way of going around it and and that was for me you know again like 
from going from psychology, classical psychology to alternative healing and energy healing and chakras and yoga therapy and breath work and all this kind of stuff that that brought me, you know, another aspect of, of yeah. the side you know and and all that but then then but the medicine really helped me to reach places that all the other tools not go you know and and um and it was a really effective way and also what you said that that giving that spiritual aspect you know that mm -hmm holistic you know it was so not so focused on or or and, and didn't even understand what is that spiritual aspect you know or that the divinity and and how is that is within us you know and all this yeah stuff. so it's i think totally reinformed the way i looked at healing and what is healing and what needs to be healed and where is that you know in complexity of of human beings so yeah how, how was it in in your I, I would echo everything you said i really resonate with everything you said absolutely like what feeling is my understanding of that changed and deepened dramatically and um so i'm always looking for more tools around that because i do feel that trauma not necessarily even trauma with the big T, you know, small traumas, challenging emotional circumstances, needs that weren't met, love that wasn't given, all of these things in our development and childhood and adolescence, they tend to be at the roots of what we're struggling with in the present. So I'm always looking for new ways to access that. But I also agree that, you know, for me, ayahuasca and plant medicine is the most powerful by far. I mean, I've looked everywhere, you know, meditation retreats in Myanmar and, you know, alternative healing in, in Thailand and South America, the Andes, everywhere I've gone and looked at different things and I have not found anything, you know, as, as incredibly powerful and healing and transformative as ayahuasca can be. And a big part of that is the physicality of purging. I mean, there's no way to reproduce that in a therapy office, removing the physical residue of all of these pains and traumas and experiences and toxins and everything. It's that, that to me is kind of one of the, it's like the secret sauce that um, it's, it's special power that I don't think you can really find anywhere else. Yes, absolutely. And, and how, you know, the medicine is, is completely tailored to each individual and to each precise moment always like, yeah. And that's something that can be hardly replicated for sure. You know, even though we are sitting in the same circle with the same, <laughs> drinking the same, yeah. people have very, very different experiences and, and healing journeys you know depending on their where they are you know and, and what do they need in that moment yeah totally agree so um okay i totally forgot what i meant to ask but i had such a good question but anyway i have more questions so um when when we talk about ayahuasca and the incredible experiences of course and the ceremony and and that is powerful experience but um you know i always say that your journey with this medicine starts way before you sit in the ceremony mm -hmm. and you know, when you answer that calling and you say yes to that and and a lot arises before even like as a preparation you know and yeah 
important, you know, to um, to to go into it in a sacred way and into in a good way. And that was something that I was fortunate that I was taught from the beginning, you know, how to prep and 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 honor. Uh, what does it mean, you know, to prepare ourselves, not just physically, but spiritually and mentally, emotionally, you know, for this experience. But then, you know, I was not told about what's going to happen after like nothing, you know, and for a long okay. time. I was like pissed off in the shipping was like why they never talked about the integration it took me a while to understand that from their perspective this is something non-existing and doesn't make any sense because they are in that context you know all the time it's yeah who, who we need this but yeah I, I learned in a very hard way you know what is integration and and why do you need that <clears throat> So now I would say that that's kind of the longest and, and in a way the most difficult part of the process. And, and that's, you know, no, like people should get support and help with that. Definitely, I think like that's baseline. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I uh, totally agree. I, um, to me, it's very funny in, in the Amazon, it's like the, the locals, they'll come do ceremony puke their guts out, roll around, scream. The next day they're back at work, you know, just as if nothing happened. And they feel great and they just kind of keep going. And it's just, it's, it's a different, um, it's a different cosmology, a different understanding as to what is ailing them. It's a different culture, it's a different worldview. And so they don't really, the concept of integration doesn't really make sense to them. There's, that's like you said, it's just part of how they live and understand the world. But for us, not coming from that culture and environment, um, it's really important. And um, you know, I always say that the, you know, you don't you don't do the ceremony for the experience of the ceremony. You do the ceremony for how it's going to impact your life, right? Otherwise, then it's just entertainment. If you're doing it just for the fun or not so fun experience of being in in ceremony, then then that's just entertainment, right? But if you're doing it for, to change your life in a positive way, to heal something, to learn, to grow as a person, to connect more spiritually, then the ceremony is just the catalyst. The actual unfolding of all of that is in your day-to-day -day life after. Um, so I agree, integration is really important. I think um, being as thoughtful with that, I've seen it from, you know, many, uh, clients, guests coming down to the retreat center and seeing people's different approach to integrating and, you know, ones that just went back to the life as normal, didn't change anything. And they're, you know, they're back in six months in the same shape versus people who they made some big shifts in their life, stopped drinking, changed their diet, started a, a spiritual practice, changed some of the relationships, quit their jobs that weren't working. And then, you know, I'll see them a year later and they have evolved as people. And, and that's really, to me, what it's about is taking the energy and the, the opening that happens from ayahuasca, that opens our energy, opens our consciousness, allows things to change. If you take that action, it's about taking action to make changes in your life while you have this great tailwind of your, your, your energy is great, you feel much better, you've been lightened and cleared out. So you've got this huge tailwind coming out of ceremony to use that to make changes 
And um, I, I, I do that still, you know, if I'm struggling with something and I'm in ceremony, then I will um, always, I always ask, how, what can I do in my day-to-day -day life as a practice? What change can I make to work on this further beyond what happened in the ceremony? Absolutely. And um, just to mention, what we always say here that the medicine is not going to heal you like not nothing gonna heal you like only you can heal yourself and that's what you were talking about that that people have to put energy and commitment and work into this and do those changes that will change their life you know and um, I think you know the medicine yeah. is definitely a great ally and a great catalyst to show us where you need to work on, what you need to work on, what you need to change, what you need to let go, what you need to transform, uh, and, but, but it won't do it for you. And I think people, especially from the West, and this was my original mindset, is just give a pill that will, you know, <clears throat> make it better. Like, yeah. Doing it for you, either that's a pill or a therapist or a plant medicine or whatever, like meditation or running. That something is doing for you. Like you, you need to do it. Do do these things for yourself. And I think that's why um, many people get kind of disappointed because they have this expectation that oh, like uh, the medicine will heal me, and then they stop, give up drinking for a few weeks because they are in the ayahuasca afterglow and then go back to their old patterns and they say, okay, it didn't work for me or I just need more medicine, you know? And, 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 and they lack the understanding that, hey, she's doing her part and now you have to do your part. Exactly. You know, and it's, that's so important for people to understand. And that's why we are doing this podcast and putting this information out there and uh, I learned you know in the hard way as well just drinking 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 without integrating and coming into like a breakdown into very very difficult experience you know that was yeah it was not necessary I mean everything is perfect in the end and I chose this experience, obviously but but um, definitely you can do it in a different different way. And I, I, I don't think that the more the better, you know, I don't think that at all. I think the medicine totally changed my mind around that. And actually she, she taught me that the more whole you are and integrated and healed and aligned, the less medicine you need, and then you don't need medicine and that's when you are well, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I what do you think about that? Uh, I, I, that resonates with me. But, uh, you, two things um, that you said. One, that I, I, I actually use the same phrase, that the medicine does its part, you have to do your part. I 100% agree. And I think um, ayahuasca is something that the more you work, like the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. Yes, you can go in, no preparation, very little effort. And you'll, you can have a great experience and there can be healing that happens, but you, you can do so much more and have real personal transformation and much deeper work and deeper healing and more wholeness if you participate in the process and prepare 
and think about what really needs to work, to change and work with it during the ceremony and integrate afterwards and work on yourself and making those changes and doing your part. It's, you know, 10 times more powerful and effective when you're participating and, and you're doing the work too, and not just relying on it to kind of, it does everything and I just sit back afterwards. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. And that's where I think therapy and ayahuasca is a very powerful combination because you're getting a human guidance as well as plant spirit guidance. And you're able to keep working after ceremony with someone to go deeper into the issues that came up. And, you know, ayahuasca will often show you what's still there, things that you still need to work on, things that need to be cleared in other ways. And then you have someone to do that with. So it's a, it's a great combination of doing um, your work with the medicine and the therapist. Um, and then what you said about, um, you know, sometimes more isn't better. I also agree with that. I, I do see people that kind of keep going back, keep going back, but they're not, they're not actually growing. And, and there's something that can happen where actually, if you do more and more ayahuasca, but you're not working on changing those shadow parts on your own, they can crystallize and actually get amplified. I've seen that too. And that's, that's, a not a, that's not a pretty thing. And I also saw a lot in Peru, um, people who would you know, go down there and kind of just get lost in the ayahuasca culture and they kind of bum around Iquitos and they're doing lots of ceremonies, but you talk to them and they look terrible and they sound terrible. And it's like, this, this is not working for you. I, I don't think it's good for everybody to do that. You know, um, in my case, I was already, I had done so much healing work before I got down there, my own therapy, my own work. I was emotionally in a very solid place and had done a lot already. I was just looking for guidance on the next chapter, right? So I came in not as lost, let's say. I think if you go down there and you've got a lot of healing work to do and you just kind of get, get, get lost in that world, it's not great for a lot of people. For some people it can be, but I think um, in general, you're definitely better off doing a little bit, doing your work, going back to it much later. And um, I totally agree. The whole the point isn't to get good at the ceremony. The point is to have a better life. Yeah, absolutely. And this is so important <clears throat> to emphasize. I think you know that. How did it make your life better? What you are doing. Yeah whatever you're doing, not just the medicine, like, does it make your life better? Are you more happy, fulfilled, you know, at peace, at ease, you know, with yourself, with the world, with others or not, you know, or you still in yeah. this relationship, the same job that you hate, you know, the same place where you've been when, when it's all started. So it's really, I think, you know, it, that, that is when you bring that spiritual, aspect and that side of it into the practical reality you know and, and really you can measure and and this is deep deep therapy work deep shadow work trauma work mm. you know people are not equipped you know to do this uh, do this alone and process all this stuff and especially with this particular medicine you know i said it so many times on this podcast that it can bring up you know serious uh, trauma that was suppressed into amnesia and stuff and I had experience with this multiple times and people yeah 
shock, you know, go into a shock just from, you know, and, and if you don't have container, if you don't have guidance, you know, that, that, that sometimes, you know, that, that, that either not going to be a healing experience for you, it can be a possibly re-traumatizing experience yeah. for, for the people. So just really shouting out people you know to have somebody to work with afterwards to have to support to have somebody to teach you certain tools you know to navigate your own experiences and you can you can learn those things and and having two or three sessions is not integration you know as you said before you you had a year and my program is also a year integration and i have this experience in the last six years working with many people that to people who come in and, and they are in transition and they are like, I cannot go on like this anymore. So things have to change. And by the time things will change visibly and we can see, okay, and things did change, it will take minimum a year. You know, that is my experience because, you know, if you really fundamentally want to approve things and, and transform things, that will take time because it will come in layers and you will need to do this work step by step. And, and if it if it would be released all at once, we would go crazy, you know, like you kind of all at once everything. So and 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 also first, this is a very inter internal work, very energetic, very introspective. So you are working on the energetic levels, on the spiritual level, on the mental, emotional level, and there's no visible change in the first few months. A lot of the times, you know, like yeah. and the changes will appear later in the physical reality, you know. So a lot of people, oh, nothing is changing, but hello, you know, keep doing what you're doing and things will change so that's another thing that we are so impatient and we are like yeah let's just release 50 years of trauma and conditioning you know in like one day that's that's not realistic you know and but but i i do can say that if you dedicate yourself and if you have support and guidance and container within one year you can totally turn around your life you know like like yeah. completely you know like 180 degree change and that's not such a long time compared to life lifelong suffering i think you know so just also mentioning it to people that that wanting this quick fix this is not a quick fix nothing is a quick fix you know and if you're dealing with serious issues you will need to spend some time you know to to work on them what, what's your perspective on this yeah, I, I, uh, definitely. It's, um, you know, it's a catalyst. It's a catalyst for change. It can accelerate things. It can open things up. But that process of transformation and healing, it's a long one. And um, I think, yeah, a year is that that's actually how I look at it in terms of the, the arc of the experience with ayahuasca is, you know, a year of that the energetic changes, like you said, manifesting into physical reality, that's how long it can take. And if you're participating in that, it'll go a lot better. You'll, the, those changes will be more in alignment with who you want to be and the kind of life you want to live. And you can absolutely have profound transformation in, in that time, which, yeah, is not, in the grand scheme of things, is not a long time. But I agree, we are very impatient and human time is not the same as spirit time, you know? And so um, we want 
we want the change to happen immediately, but it is a gradual unfolding. And it's the same with, with therapy and any healing modality. Um, I just think with, with plant medicine, it can be a lot faster because it's, it's, a, it's an accelerate and then a catalyst if you work with it the right way, but you still have to do your part. And yeah, it's, um, it, it takes a long time. And, and, and if you've got deep healing work to do, oftentimes there may be more than one chapter. You know, you're, you, you do a big chunk of work and you're in a good place. And that lasts, you know, a few years. And then later more things come up and you realize, oh, there's a little bit more here to look at. And then you do another round. And, and that's, I mean, that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's just that, it just means that healing is part of your life journey. And I think that can be very special also. I don't, I don't view it as a, a burden, you know, healing as part of your life journey can be a very beautiful thing as well. Absolutely. I, I, I feel it's a never ending journey. And I did think at the beginning that if I hear this and that, I'm going to be finally ready to focus you know, on other things in my life. And then I was like, okay, I don't think this is ever going to end. So let's organize my life, you know, to be part of this. And of course, you know, at the, like when people start to step on that path, it can be all encompassing and all overwhelming a little bit at the beginning. And I yeah. recommend people to take time off their work and their life, you know, for a while to focus on themselves and on this journey. But, but once, you know, you start stabilizing, you know, embody some of those changes is you, you learn, you know, to yeah. use tools in your own life and keep using them and, and, and keep journeying and moving forward for sure. So, um, <clears throat> What, what, what are some things that you would like to leave our audience with today? Like something you feel passionate about or you wanna shout out about something like this is the time to share that? Well, actually just based on what you just said, um, you know, the other thing in terms of the healing journey is it comes with gifts. And I think that's, I have so much compassion for people who are just starting um, on this healing path, it, like you just said, it can be so hard in the beginning, overwhelming, and um, but it's worth it. It really is. And there are gifts that come with it. When you have done the deep healing work and cleared things and are able to, you're able to be yourself more than ever. And, and your natural gifts come up. And I think that is, that is one of the like the, the benefits of a healing journey is that there you, you, you tap into what your natural gifts are, whatever that is, whether it's creatively or in work or in relationship, we all have gifts and they get stymied or blocked when we're bound up in trauma and hurt and wounding. They can't unfold. You can call it your life path or your life purpose. All of that can come once you've unwound those hurts and wounds and traumas. So I think that, um, you know, it's important to, to hold that vision that it does come with gifts. Yes, thank you. I'm such a focusing on the, the, the shadow work part, you know, all the time. So thank you for the reminder. And, and yeah. that's so, so important. Why are we doing this? Because it is hard. It is not for the faint hearted, definitely warrior path like deep deep shadow work so so why and and that's you know that's certainly a lot of people actually come into my practice with this intention i want to find my life purpose you know why yeah. what are those gifts that i can contribute and how how can i do that 
you know, and um, for me, you know, one of the biggest thing was just like, I, I just had so much fear and anxiety because of things that I went through and that that like crippled me from the inside and my whole relationship to the world and to other people was based on that fear and that anxiety and you know doing this work and 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 letting go more and more of of that fear and and those memories that were you know holding it just uh, allowed me to kind of drop into my body and into this life and 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 be more open and and connect in a different way and having more loving nurturing relationships uh, just in general in my life you know that I, I would say that that was just like a huge is something that I cannot explain to people how you don't know how much you're holding and carrying until you start putting those weights off and you realize yeah. I haven't been living I haven't been here I haven't been you know and that's of course you feel that you are not feeling good so you are knowing that something is not right but you have no idea so so definitely I would say for me uh, freedom from the past freedom from fear and anxiety um and um, just uh, being tapped into to myself and being having that anchor inside of my own being instead of feeling so lost you know in the world yeah experience and 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 having that internal guidance system having that connection and and never through that and then that's like something you know that I could not have even imagined um before so there is definitely you know i would would do it like a hundred times over and uh, and that's why we keep doing it you know and keep talking about it and, and supporting others because uh, i think the only way out is through but there is a way out and that's the good news and 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 that's why you know that that's on the other side you know i think freedom yeah yeah i totally agree well, uh, what kind do you have any offerings right now that people people can reach you? Your website is transcendentcouncil.com, right? Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, you know, I, I specialize in this in this exact work that we're talking about, just just like you. So um, people that are looking for integration or preparation for ayahuasca or other plant medicine work, basically. I like to help people who want to use psychedelics intentionally with purpose for healing. Um, so, you know, I, that can look a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's much more kind of involved long-term counseling and therapy and work around that. Sometimes it's, it's briefer support work, but that's definitely my passion. And that's my favorite kind of work to do. You know, I, I have a traditional therapy practice also, but this is my definitely my my favorite work um, because it's things move so quickly, so much can happen, so much healing can happen. It's you're not just stuck in a rut. When you have when you're working with, you know, ayahuasca, you're not going to be stuck. Things are going to move, and that's a wonderful thing um, to be a part of and to help support. 
definitely. Thank you so much. And we're going to include all your information where people can reach you. And I'm sure you're going to be back on this podcast because we are thinking along the very same lines. And, and yeah, and, and uh, I, I want to give platform, you know, through the podcast to other people who are doing this type of work because it's kind of hard to find an integration therapist who has proper training as a therapist. Yeah. Or, you know different tools he has understanding of the western you know psychology also understanding of the the shamanic practices and and have obviously experience with the medicine to the extensive level uh there is more training coming out now and more education which is great but yeah we are i'm delighted you know to know another person that people can can go to with confidence and trust you know if they need any support so big shout out there and thank you so much alex and and um, to connect with you today and i'm sure uh, yeah yeah the rest is um. <laughs> Thank you, Nina. This was really special, and I, I really enjoyed hearing your perspective too. It's nice to talk with someone that's in the same world and knows this work. And uh, I resonated so much with what you said. So thank you for sharing as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and we are just reminding everybody that you are the healer, and love is the medicine. And uh, yeah tune in for our next episode check out um, the other episodes of the podcast we have a bunch out there now um, we having a break on clubhouse of our integration um, room for august that we are back in september but you can reach me you can reach um, alex and all the other people you know if you need support connect with us please and share this video if you like it and see you in the next video lots of love <laughs>